Act One of The Strange Gentleman by Charles Dickens. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Cast of Characters Mr. Owen Overton, read by Noel Badrian. John Johnson, read by Nathaniel W. C. Higgins. The Strange Gentleman, read by David Goldfarb. Charles Tompkins, read by Algie Pug. Tom Sparks, read by John Trevithick. The Waiters, John, Tom, and Will, read by Todd. Julia Dobbs, read by Tiffany Halla Colonna. Fanny Wilson, read by Amanda Friday. Mary Wilson, read by Dwan. Mrs. Noakes, read by Christine Nenza. Chambermaid, read by Eden Ray Hedrick. Narrator, read by Christine G. Costumes Mr. Owen Overton Black smalls and high black boots A blue bodycoat, rather long in the waist, with yellow buttons, buttoned close up to the chin A white stock, ditto gloves a broad-brimmed, low-crowned, wise hat. Strange gentleman. A light blue, plaid, French-cut trousers and vest. A brown cloth frock coat, with full skirts scarcely covering the hips. A light blue kerchief. An eccentric, low-crowned, broad-brimmed, white hat. Boots. John Johnson. White fashionable trousers. Boots light vest frock coat black hat gloves charles tomkins shepherd's plaid french cut trousers boots mohair fashionable frock coat buttoned up black hat gloves tom sparks leather smalls striped stockings and lace-up half boots and a holland stable jacket Coloured kerchief and red wig. The waiters, all in black trousers, black stockings and shoes, white vests, striped jackets and white kerchiefs. Mary Wilson, fashionable walking dress, white silk stockings, shoes and gloves. Fanny Wilson, precisely the same as Mary. Julia Dobbs, a handsome white travelling dress, cashmere shawl, white silk stockings, shoes and gloves, a bonnet to correspond. Mrs. Noakes, a chintz gown, rather of dark pattern, French apron and a handsome cap. Scene, a small town on the road to Gretna. Time, part of a day and night. Time in acting, one hour and twenty minutes. Act one, scene one. A room at the St. James Arms. Door in centre with a bolt on it. A table with cover and two chairs. Right hand side. Enter Mrs. Noakes, centre door. Bless us! What a coachful! Four inside, twelve out. And the guard blowing the key bugle in the foreboot for fear the informer should see that they have got one over the number. 
post-chase and a gig besides. We shall be filled to the very attics. Now look alive there, bustle about. Enter first waiter, running, centre door. Now, John. Coming down left-hand side. Single lady inside the stage. Wants a private room, ma'am. Much luggage? Four trunks, two bonnet boxes, six brown paper parcels, and a basket. Give her the private room directly. Number one on the first floor. Yes, ma'am. Exit first waiter, running, center door. Enter second waiter, running, center door. Now, Tom. Coming down right-hand side. Two young ladies and one gentleman, in a post-chase. Want a private sitting room directly, ma'am. Brother and sisters, Tom? Ladies are something alike, ma'am. Gentlemen like neither of them. Husband and wife and wife's sister, perhaps, eh, Tom? Can't be husband and wife, ma'am, because I saw the gentleman kiss one of the ladies. Kissing one of the ladies? Put them in the small sitting-room behind the bar, Tom, that I may have an eye on them through the little window and see that nothing improper goes forward. Yes, ma'am. Going. And Tom? Crossing to left-hand side. Yes, ma'am. Coming down right-hand side. Tell Cook to put all the bones and pieces that were left on the plates at the great dinner yesterday and make some nice soup to feed the stagecoach passengers with. Very well, ma'am. Exit second waiter, center door. Enter third waiter, running, center door. Now, Will. Coming down left-hand side. A strange gentleman in a gig, ma'am, wants a private sitting room. Much luggage, Will. One portmanteau and a greatcoat. Oh, nonsense. Tell him to go into the commercial room. I told him so, ma'am, but the strange gentleman says he will have a private apartment, and that it's as much as his life is worth to sit in a public room. As much as his life is worth? Yes, ma'am. Gentleman says he doesn't care if it's a dark closet, but a private room of some kind he must and will have. Very odd. Did you ever see him before, Will? No, ma'am. He's quite a stranger here. He's a wonderful man to talk, ma'am. Keeps on like a steam engine. Here he is, ma'am. Without. Now don't tell me, because that's all gammon and nonsense, and gammoned I never was and never will be by any waiter that ever drew the breath of life or a cork. And just have the goodness to leave my portmanteau alone, because I can carry it very well myself, and show me a private room without further delay, for a private room I must and will have. Damn me, do you think I'm going to be murdered? Enter the three waiters, centre door. They form down left-hand side, the strange gentleman following, carrying his portmanteau and great coat. Where? This room will do capitally well. Quite the thing. Just the fit. How are you, ma'am? I suppose you are the landlady of this place. Just order those very attentive young fellows out, will you? And I'll order dinner. To waiters, you may leave the room. Hear that? You may leave the room. Make yourselves scarce. Evaporate. Disappear. Come. Exit waiters, centre door. That's right. And now, madam, while we're talking over this important matter of dinner, I'll just secure us effectually against further intrusion. Bolts the door. No, sir. Bolting the door and me in the room. Don't be afraid. I won't hurt you. I have no designs against you, my dear ma'am, but I must be private. 
sits on the portmanteau right-hand side. Well, sir, I have no objection to break through our rules for once, but it is not our way. When we're full, to give private rooms to solitary gentlemen who come in a gig and bring only one portmanteau, you're quite a stranger here, sir, if I'm not mistaken at your first appearance in this house. You're right, ma'am. It is my first, my very first, but not my last, I can tell you. No? No. Looking round him. I like the look of this place, snug and comfortable, neat and lively. You'll very often find me at the St. James's Arms, I can tell you, ma'am. Aside. A civil gentleman. Are you a stranger in this town, sir? Stranger? Bless you, no. I have been here for many years past in the season. Indeed? Oh, yes. Put up at the Royal Hotel regularly for a long time, but I was obliged to leave it at last. I have heard a good many complaints of it. Oh, terrible. Such a noisy house. Ah. Shocking. Din, din, din. Drum, drum, drum. All night. Nothing but noise, glare, and nonsense. I bore it a long time for old acquaintance sake. But what do you think they did at last, ma'am? I can't guess. Turned the fine old assembly room into a stable and took to keeping horses. I tried that too, but I found I couldn't stand it. So I came away, ma'am. And, and here I am. Rises. And I'll be bound to say, sir, that you will have no cause to complain of the exchange. I'm sure not, ma'am. I know it. I feel it already. About dinner, sir, what would you like to take? Let me see. Will you be good enough to suggest something, ma'am? Why, a broiled fowl and mushrooms is a very nice dish. You are right, ma'am. A broiled fowl and mushrooms form a very delightful and harmless amusement, either for one or two persons. Broiled fowl and mushrooms, let it be, ma'am. In about an hour, I suppose, sir? For the second time, ma'am, you have anticipated my feelings. You'll want a bed tonight, I suppose, sir. Perhaps you'd like to see it. Step this way, sir, and... Going left-hand side. No, no, never mind. Aside. This is a plot to get me out of the room. She's bribed by somebody who wants to identify me. I must be careful. I'm exposed to nothing but artifice and stratagem. Never mind, ma'am, never mind. If you'll give me your portmanteau, sir, the boots will carry it into the next room for you. Aside. Here's diabolical ingenuity. She thinks it's got the name upon it. To her. I'm very much obliged to the Boots for his disinterested attention, ma'am, but with your kind permission, this portmanteau will remain just exactly where it is. Consequently, ma'am, if the aforesaid Boots wishes to succeed in removing this portmanteau, he must previously remove me, ma'am, me, and it will take a pair of very stout Boots to do that, ma'am, I promise you. Dear me, sir. You needn't fear for your portmanteau in this house. I dare say nobody wants it. I hope not, ma'am, because in that case nobody will be disappointed.
Aside. How she fixes her old eyes on me. Aside. I never saw such an extraordinary person in all my life. What can he be? Looks at him very hard. Exit Mrs. Noakes, centre door. She's gone at last. Now let me commune with my own dreadful thoughts and reflect on the best means of escaping from my horrible position. Takes a letter from his pocket. Here's an illegal death warrant, a pressing invitation to be slaughtered, a polite request just to step out and be killed, thrust into my hand by some disguised assassin in a dirty black calico jacket the very instant I got out of the gig at the door. Oh, I know the hand. There's a ferocious recklessness in the cross to this T, and a baleful malignity in the dot of that I, which warns me that it comes from my desperate rival. Opens it and reads. Mr. Horatio Tinkles, that's him, presents his compliments to his enemy, that's me, and requests the pleasure of his company to-morrow morning under the clump of trees on Corpse Common. Corpse Common! To which any of the town's people will direct him, and where he hopes to have the satisfaction of giving him his gruel. <laughs> giving him his gruel! Ironical cutthroat! His punctuality will be esteemed a personal favour, as it will save Mr. Tinkles the trouble and inconvenience of calling with a horsewhip in his pocket. Mr. Tinkles has ordered breakfast at the Royale for one. It is paid for. The individual who returns alive can eat it. Pistols. Half-past five, precisely. Bloodthirsty miscreant! The individual who returns alive. I have seen him hit the painted man at the shooting gallery regularly every time in his centre shirt-plate, except when he varied the entertainments by lodging the ball playfully in his left eye. Breakfast. I shall want nothing beyond the gruel. What's to be done? Escape. I can't escape. Concealment's of no use. He knows I am here. He has dodged me all the way from London and will dodge me all the way to the residence of Miss Emily Brown, whom my respected but swine-headed parents have picked out for my future wife. A pretty figure I should cut before the old people, whom I have never beheld more than once in my life, and Miss Emily Brown, whom I have never seen at all, if I went down there pursued by this salamander, who I suppose is her accepted lover. Oh, what is to be done? I can't go back again. Father would be furious. What can be done? Nothing. Sinks into a chair. I must undergo this fiery ordeal and submit to be packed up and carried back to my weeping parents like an unfortunate buck with a flat piece of lead in my head and a brief epitaph on my breast. Killed on Wednesday morning. No, I won't starting up and walking about. I won't submit to it. I'll, I'll accept the challenge, but first I'll write an anonymous letter to the local authorities, giving them information of this intended duel, and desiring them to place me under immediate restraint. Well, that's feasible. On further consideration, it's capital. My character will be saved. I shall be bound over, he'll be bound over, 
I shall resume my journey, reach the house, marry the girl, pocket the fortune, and laugh at him. No time to be lost. It shall be done forthwith. Goes to table and writes. There, the challenge accepted with a bold defiance. That'll look very brave when it comes to be printed. Now for the other. Writes. To the mayor. Sir. A strange gentleman at the St. James's Arms, whose name is unknown to the writer of this communication, is bent upon committing a rash and sanguinary act at an early hour tomorrow morning. As you value human life, secure the amiable youth without delay. Think, I implore you, sir, think what would be the feelings of those to whom he is nearest and dearest if any mischance befall the interesting young man. Do not neglect this solemn warning. The number of his room is seventeen. There. Folding it up. Now, if I can find anyone who will deliver it secretly. Tom Sparks, with a pair of boots in his hand, peeps in at the centre door. Are these here urine? No. Oh. Going back. Hello. Stop. Are you the boots? Still at the door. I'm the head of that branch of the establishment. There is another man under me as brushes the dirt off and puts the blacking on. The fancy work's my department. I do the polishing, nothing else. You are the upper boots, then? Yes, I'm the regular. T'other one's only the deputy. Top boots and half boots, I calls us. You're a sharp fellow. Ah, I'd better cut, then going don't hurry boots don't hurry i want you rises and comes forward right hand side coming forward left hand side well can 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 you be secret boots what depends entirely on accompanying circumstances see the point i think i comprehend your meaning boots you insinuate that you could be secret, putting his hand in his pocket. If you had uh, five shillings, for instance, isn't that it, Boots? That's the line of argument I should take up, but that ain't exactly my meaning. No. No, a secret's a thing as is always arising to one's lips. It requires an astonishing weight to keep one on em down. Ah. Yes, I don't think I could keep one snug. Regular snug, you know. Yes, regularly snug, of course. If it had a less weight at top on it than ten shilling. You don't think three half-crowns would do it? It might. I won't say it wouldn't, but I couldn't warrant it. You could, the other. Yes. Then... There it is. Gives him four half-crowns. You see these letters? Yes, I can manage that without my spectacles. Well, that's to be left at the Royal Hotel. This, this is an anonymous one, and I want it to be delivered at the mayor's house without his knowing from whom it came or seeing who delivered it. Taking the letters. I say, you're a rummin', you are. Think so? <laughs> So are you. Aye, but you're a rummer one than me. No, no, that's your modesty. No, it ain't. 
I say, how well you did them last haystacks. How do you contrive that air now, if it's a fair question? Is it done with a pipe, or do you use them lucifer boxes? Pipe? Lucifer boxes? Haystacks? What do you mean? Looking cautiously round. I know your name, Molden. You know my name? Aside. Now how the devil has he got hold of that, I wonder? Yes, I know it. It begins with a S. Begins with an S? And ends with a G. Winking. We've all heard talk of swing down here. Heard talk of swing? Here's a situation. Dammy, do you think I'm a walking carboy of vitriol and burn everything I touch? Will you go upon the errand you're paid for? Oh, I'm going, I'm going. It's nothing to me, you know. I don't care. I'll only just give these boots to the deputy to take them to whoever they belong to, and then I'll pitch this air letter in at the mayor's office window in no time. Will you be off? Oh, I'm going, I'm going. Close, you knows. Close. Exit Tom, Santa door. Oh, in five minutes more the letter will be delivered. In another half hour, if the mayor does his duty, I shall be in custody and secure from the vengeance of this infuriated monster. I wonder whether they'll take me away. Egad, I may as well be provided with a clean shirt and a nightcap, in case. Let's see. She said the next room was my bedroom, and as I have accepted the challenge, I may venture so far now. Shouldering the portmanteau. What a capital notion it is. There'll be all the correspondence in large letters in the county paper, and my name figuring away in Roman capitals, with a long story how I was such a desperate dragon and so bent upon fighting that it took four constables to carry me to the mayor and one boy to carry my hat. It's a capital plan. Must be done. The only way I have of escaping unpursued from this place— Unless I could put myself in the general post and direct myself to a friend in town. Oh, and then it's a chance whether they'd take me in, being so much overweight. Exit strange gentleman with portmanteau, left-hand side. Mrs. Noakes, peeping in centre door, then entering. This is the room, ladies, but the gentleman has stepped out somewhere. He won't be long, I dare say. Pray, come in, miss. Enter Mary and Fanny Wilson, centre door. Mary, centre. This is the strange gentleman's apartment, is it? Mrs. Noakes, right-hand side. Yes, miss. Shall I see if I can find him, ladies, and tell him you are here? No, we should prefer waiting till he returns, if you please. Very well, ma'am. He'll be back directly, I dare say, for it's very near his dinner-time. Exit Mrs. Noakes, centre door. Come, Fanny, dear. Don't give way to these feelings of depression. Take pattern by me. I feel the absurdity of our situation acutely, but you see that I keep up nevertheless. It is easy for you to do so. Your situation is neither so embarrassing nor so painful a one as mine. Well, my dear, it may not be, certainly, 
but the circumstances which render it less so are, I own, somewhat incomprehensible to me. My hare-brained madcap swain, John Johnson, implores me to leave my guardian's house and accompany him on an expedition to Gretna Green. I, with immense reluctance, and after considerable pressing, yield a very willing consent. Well, we won't quarrel about terms. At all events, I do consent. He bears me off and when we get exactly half-way, discovers that his money is all gone, and that we must stop at this inn until he can procure a remittance from London by post. I think, my dear, you'll own that this is rather an embarrassing position. Compare it with mine. Taking advantage of your flight, I send express to my admirer, Charles Tompkins, to say that I have accompanied you. First, because I should have been miserable if left behind with a peevish old man alone. Secondly, because I thought it proper that your sister should accompany you. And thirdly, because you knew that he would immediately comply with this indirect assent to his entreaties of three months' duration, and follow you without delay on the same errand. Hey, my dear? It by no means follows that such was my intention, or that I knew he would pursue such a course. But supposing he has done so, supposing the strange gentleman should be himself. Supposing? Why, you know it is. You told him not to disclose his name on any account. And the strange gentleman is not a very common travelling name, I should imagine, besides the hasty note in which he said he should join you here. Well, granted that it is he. In what a situation am I placed? You tell me for the first time that my violent intended must on no account be beheld by your violent intended, just now, because of some old quarrel between them, of long standing, which has never been adjusted to this day. What an appearance this will have! How am I to explain it, or relate your present situation? I should sink into the earth with shame and confusion." leave it to me. It arises from my heedlessness. I will take it all upon myself and see him alone. But tell me, my dear, as you got up this love affair with so much secrecy and expedition during the four months you spent at Aunt Martha's, I have never yet seen Mr. Tomkins, you know. Is he so very handsome? See him and judge for yourself. Well, I will and you may retire till I have paved the way for your appearance. But just assist me first, dear, in making a little noise to attract his attention, if he really be in the next room, or I may wait here all day. Duet, at the end of which. Exit Fanny sent to door. Mary retires up, right-hand side. Enter strange gentleman, left-hand side. There. Now, with a clean shirt in one pocket and a nightcap in the other, I'm ready to be carried magnanimously to my dungeon in the cause of love. Aside, he says he's ready to be carried magnanimously to a dungeon in the cause of love. I thought it was Mr. Tompkins. Hum. Coming down left-hand side. Seeing her. Hello. Who's this? 
not a disguised peace officer in petticoats beg your pardon ma'am advancing towards her what did you oh sir i feel the delicacy of my situation aside feels the delicacy of her situation lord bless us what's the matter permit me to offer you a seat ma'am if you're in a delicate situation he places chairs they sit you are very good sir you are surprised to see me here sir no no at least not very rather perhaps rather aside never was more astonished in all my life aside his politeness and the extraordinary tale i have to tell him overpower me i must summon up courage ahem sir ma'am you have arrived at this house in pursuit of a young lady if i mistake not you are quite right ma'am aside mysterious female if you are the gentleman i'm in search of you wrote a hasty note a short time since stating that you would be found here this afternoon drawing back his chair i i wrote a note ma'am you need keep nothing secret from me sir i know all aside that villain boots has betrayed me know all ma'am everything aside oh it must be so she's a constable's wife you are the writer of that letter sir i think i am not mistaken you are not ma'am i confess i did write it what was i to do ma'am consider the situation in which i was placed in your situation you had as it appears to me only one course to pursue you mean the course i adopted undoubtedly i am very happy to hear you say so though of course i should like it to be kept a secret oh of course drawing his chair close to her and speaking very softly will you allow me to ask you whether the constables are downstairs surprised the constables because if i am to be apprehended i should like to have it over i am quite ready if it must be done no legal interference has been attempted there is nothing to prevent your continuing your journey to-night but will not the other party follow looking down the other party i am compelled to inform you is detained here by by want of funds starting up detained here by want of funds hurrah hurrah i have caged him at last i'm revenged for all his blustering and bullying this is a glorious triumph <laughs> i have nailed him nailed him to the spot rising indignantly this exulting over a fallen foe sir is mean and pitiful in my presence too it is an additional insult insult i wouldn't insult you for the world after the joyful intelligence you have brought me i could hug you in my arms one kiss my little constable's deputy seizing her struggling with him help help enter john johnson center door what the devil do i see seizes strange gentleman by the collar mary left hand side john and mr tomkins met together they'll kill each other 
Here! Help! Help! Exit Mary running, center door. Shaking him. What do you mean by that, scoundrel? Oh, come, none of your nonsense. There's no harm done. No harm done? How dare you offer to salute that lady? What did you send her here for? I send her? Yes, you. You gave her instructions, I suppose. Aside. Her husband the constable, evidently. That lady, sir, is attached to me. Well, I know she is, and a very useful little person she must be to be attached to anybody. It's a pity she can't be legally sworn in. Legally sworn in? Sir, that is an insolent reflection upon the temporary embarrassment which prevents our taking the marriage vows. How dare you insinuate? Pooh! Pooh! Don't talk about daring to insinuate. It doesn't become a man in your station of life. My station of life? But as you have managed this matter very quietly, and say you're in temporary embarrassment, here, here's five shillings for you. Opposite. Five shillings? Raises his cane, flourishing a chair. Keep off, sir! Enter Mary, Tom Sparks, and two waiters. Separate them, or there'll be murder. Tom clasps strange gentlemen round the waist. The waiters seize John Johnson. Come under that ear, Mr. S. We don't let private rooms for such games as these. If you want to try it on very particular, we don't mind making a ring for you in the yard, but you mustn't do it here. Let me get at him. Let me go. Waiters, Mary, don't hold me. I insist on your letting me go. Hold him fast. Call yourself a peace officer, you, you prize fighter. Struggling. Let me go, I say. Hold him fast. Hold him fast. Tom takes strange gentleman off right-hand side. Waiters take John off left-hand side. Mary following. Scene 2. Another room in the inn. Enter Julia Dobbs and Overton, left-hand side. You seem surprised, Overton. Surprised, Miss Dobbs? Well, I may be. When after seeing nothing of you for three years and more, you come down here without any previous notice, for the express purpose of running away, positively running away, with a young man. I am astonished, Miss Dobbs. You would have had better reason to be astonished if I had come down here with any notion of positively running away with an old one, Overton. Old or young, it would matter little to me if you had not conceived the preposterous idea of entangling me, me, an attorney and mayor of the town, in so ridiculous a scheme. Miss Dobbs, I can't do it. I really cannot consent to mix myself up with such an affair. Very well, Overton, very well. You recollect that in the lifetime of that poor old dear Mr. Woolley, who... Who would have married you if he hadn't died, and who, as it was, left you his property, free from all encumbrances, the encumbrance of himself as a husband not being amongst the least. Well, you may recollect that in the poor old dear's lifetime sundry advances of money were made to you, at my persuasion, which still remain unpaid. 
oblige me by forwarding them to my agent in the course of the week, and I free you from any interference in this little matter. Crosses to left-hand side and is going. Stay, Miss Dobbs, stay. As you say, we are old acquaintances, and there certainly were some small sums of money which, which, which certainly are still outstanding. Just so, just so. And which, perhaps, you would be likely to forget if you had a husband, eh, Miss Dobbs, eh? I have little doubt that I should, if I gained one through your assistance, indeed. I can safely say I should forget all about them. My dear Miss Dobbs, we perfectly understand each other. Pray proceed. Well, dear Lord Peter. That's the young man you're going to run away with, I presume. That's the young nobleman who's going to run away with me, Mr. Overton. Yes, just so. I beg your pardon. Pray go on. Dear Lord Peter is young and wild, and the fact is his friends do not consider him very sagacious or strong-minded. To prevent their interference, our marriage is to be a secret one. In fact, he is stopping now at a friend's hunting seat in the neighbourhood. He is to join me here, and we are to be married at Gretna. Just so. A matter, as it seems to me, which you can conclude without any interference. Wait an instant. To avoid suspicion, and prevent our being recognised and followed, I settled with him that you should give out in this house that he was a lunatic, and that I, his aunt, was going to convey him in a chaise to-night to a private asylum at Berwick. I have ordered the chaise at half-past one in the morning. You can see him, and make our final arrangements. It will avert all suspicion, if I have no communication with him, till we start. You can say to the people of the house that the sight of me makes him furious. Where shall I find him? Is he here? You know best. I? I desired him immediately on his arrival to write you some mysterious nonsense, acquainting you with the number of his room. Producing a letter. Dear me, he has arrived, Miss Dobbs. No. Yes, see here. A most mysterious and extraordinary composition, which was thrown in at my office window this morning, and which I could make neither head nor tail of. Is that his handwriting? Giving her the letter. Taking letter. I never saw it more than once, but I know he writes very large and straggling. Looks at letter. <laughs> this is capital, isn't it? Excellent. <laughs> so mysterious. <laughs> so very good. Rash act. Yes. <laughs> Interesting young man. Yes, very good. Amiable youth. Capital. Solemn warning. Yes, that's the best of all. <laughs> <laughs> Number 17, he says. See him at once, that's a good creature. Returning the letter. Taking letter. I will. He crosses to left-hand side and rings a bell. Enter waiter, left-hand side. Who is there in number 17, waiter? Number 17, sir? Oh, the strange gentleman, sir. Show me the room. Exit waiter, left-hand side, looking at Julia and pointing to the letter. The strange gentleman. <laughs> very good, very good indeed. Excellent notion. <laughs> Exant severally. Scene three. Same as the first. A small table, 
with wine desserts and lights on it right hand side of centre door two chairs strange gentleman discovered seated at table the other party is detained here by want of funds <laughs> i can finish my wine at my leisure order my gig when i please and drive on to brown's in perfect security i'll drink the other party's good health and long may he be detained here fills a glass <laughs> the other party and long may he a knock at centre door hallo i hope this isn't the other party talk of the a knock at centre door well setting down his glass this is the most extraordinary private room that was ever invented i am continually disturbed by unaccountable knockings a gentle tap at centre door there's another that was a gentle rap a persuasive tap like a friend's forefinger on one's coat sleeve it can't be tinkles with the gruel come in overton peeping in at centre door are you alone my lord amazed eh are you alone my lord my lord stepping in and closing the door you are right sir we cannot be too cautious for we do not know who may be within hearing you are very right sir rising from table and coming forward to right hand side it strikes me sir that you are very wrong very good very good i like this caution it shows me you are wide awake wide awake damn me i begin to think i am fast asleep and have been for the last two hours whispering i am the mayor in the same tone oh this is your letter shows it strange gentleman nods assent solemnly it will be necessary for you to leave here to-night at half-past one o'clock in a post-chaise and four and the higher you bribe the post-boys to drive at their utmost speed the better you don't say so i do indeed you are not safe from pursuit here bless my soul can such dreadful things happen in a civilized community mr mayor it certainly does at first sight appear rather a hard case that people cannot marry whom they please without being hunted down in this way to be sure to be hunted down and killed as if one was game you know certainly and you ain't game you know of course not but can't you prevent it can't you save me by the interposition of your power my power can do nothing in such a case can't it though nothing whatever i never heard of such dreadful revenge never mr mayor i am a victim i am the unhappy victim of parental obstinacy oh no don't say that you may escape yet grasping his hand do you think i may do you think i may mr mayor certainly certainly i have little doubt of it if you manage properly i thought i was managing properly i understood the other party was detained here by want of funds want of funds there's no want of funds in that quarter i can tell you aren't there though bless you no three thousand a year but who told you there was a want of funds why she did she you have seen her then she told me you had not nonsense don't believe her she was in this very room half an hour ago then i must have misunderstood her and you must have misunderstood her too but to return to business 
don't you think it would keep up appearances if i had you put under some restraint i think it would i am very much obliged to you aside this regard for my character in an utter stranger and in a mayor too is quite affecting i'll send somebody up to mount guard over you thank ye my dear friend thank ye and if you make a little resistance when we take you upstairs to your bedroom or away in the chaise it will be keeping up the character you know to be sure so it will i'll do it very well then i shall see your lordship again by and by for the present my lord good evening going lord lordship mr mayor eh oh i see comes forward practising the lunatic my lord ah very good very vacant look indeed admirable my lord admirable i say my lord pointing to letter amiable youth interesting young man strange gentleman eh <laughs> knowing trick indeed my lord very exit overton centre door that mayor is either in the very last stage of mystified intoxication or in the most hopeless state of incurable insanity i have no doubt of it a little touched here tapping his forehead never mind he is sufficiently sane to understand my business at all events goes to table and takes a glass poor fellow i'll drink his health and speedy recovery a knock at centre door it is a most extraordinary thing now that every time i propose a toast to myself some confounded fellow raps at that door as if he were receiving it with the utmost enthusiasm private room i might as well be sitting behind the little shutter of a tuppenny post-office where all the letters put in were to be post-paid a knock at centre door perhaps it's the guard i shall feel a great deal safer if it is come in he has brought a chair forward and sits left-hand side enter tom sparks centre door very slowly with an enormous stick he closes the door and after looking at the strange gentleman very steadily brings the chair down left-hand side and sits opposite him are you sent by the mayor of this place to mount guard over me yes yes it's all right aside it's all right i'm safe to tom with affected indignation now mind i have been insulted by receiving this challenge and i want to fight the man who gave it me i protest against being kept here i denounce this treatment as an outrage ay ay anything you please poor creature don't put yourself in a passion. It'll only make you worse. This is most extraordinary behavior. I don't understand it. What do you mean by behaving in this manner? Rising. Aside. He's getting violent. I must frighten him with a steady look. I say, young fellow, do you see this here eye? staring at him and pointing at his own eye aside do i see his eye what can he mean by glaring upon me with that large round optic oh, a terrible light flashes upon me he thought i was swing this morning it was an insane delusion that eye is an insane eye he's a madman madman 
Damn me, I think he is a madman with a vengeance. He acknowledges it. He is sensible of his misfortune. Go away. Leave the room instantly and tell them to send somebody else. Go away. Oh, you unhappy lunatic. What a dreadful situation. I shall be attacked, strangled, smothered, and mangled by a madman. Where's the bell? Advancing and brandishing his stick. Leave that air bell alone. Leave that air bell alone and come here. Certainly, Mr. Boots, certainly. He's going to strangle me. Going towards table. Let me pour you out a glass of wine, Mr. Boots. Pray do. Aside. If he said yes, I'd throw the decanter at his temple. None of your nonsense. Sit down there. Forces him into a chair, left-hand side. I'll sit here. Opposite him, right-hand side. Look me full in the face and I won't hurt you. Move hand, foot, or eye and you'll never want to move either of them again. I'm paralyzed with terror. Ha! Raising his stick in a threatening attitude. I'm dumb, Mr. Boots. Dumb, sir. They sit gazing intently on each other. Tom, with the stick raised, as the act drop, slowly descends. End of Act One